0: You are listening to Episode 3 of the Field Trip Teacher Podcast, Living Tiny in a Big World. On to the episode.
1: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to leave normal and live your dream life? Farah from Mrs. Shipley's classroom and her husband Kevin, a retired police officer, left normal to pursue their passions of becoming location independent and seeing the world. Travel along with your hosts as they share what it's like to be full-time traveling entrepreneurs while living their dream. On the Field Trip Teacher Podcast, you will get tips and strategies for your classroom, running an edupreneur empire, and hear about their journeys as they travel. Grab your favorite beverage and welcome to the show.
0: Trippers, welcome back to the show. On this episode of the Field Trip Teacher Podcast, I am going to tackle some of the most frequently asked questions I get about living tiny. And why did we decide to do this? But before we get started, I want to talk about something that gives me such joy every single time I get a new one, and that is our listener reviews. All of you that have listened to the episodes here at the Field Trip Teacher Podcast and have reached out through our DMs and messages and emails, your excitement and love for the show have completely warmed our hearts, and we want to take time to say thank you. This adventure can be so scary sometimes, but when you send us your sweet messages, it lets us know that it's all worth it. So I want to share a review today from Cook Family Resources. And this is such a sweet and heartfelt review that it just, I, I had all the feels about it. So Cook Family Resources says, "'I'm so excited for this adventure. "'I'm a homebody, but I love listening "'to this type of content, and I have been following "'your educational adventures for a while.'" Wahoo! That was so sweet. I am excited for this adventure, too, and I hope that you get a lot of entertainment but also great content out of the podcast. And, well that y'all are the reason we do why we, what we do. So thank you so much for leaving that review. Now, this is going to be a regular segment here on the show. So if you are a listener, we love getting your DMs and emails and we love reading them. So if you haven't already, we would love it if you would jump over to iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. Your reviews actually help other listeners find the podcast. And well, if nobody's listening... It's just me in my room talking, and again, that's weird. So, thank you so much for reviews, and we look forward to reading more. All right, let's get on with the episode. So, jumping into living in an RV brings a whole slew of questions that, well, you can only imagine the thoughts that go through people's minds. I remember when we first shared that we were going to sell our house, sell our vehicles, sell all of our furniture, everything we owned, and move into an RV full-time so that we could travel the country. You can imagine the looks that we got. And quite frankly, I think there might've been some people in our family who were kinda like, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. But, well, it was scary. Not going to lie. So to kind of jump back to exactly how we made this decision, well, my husband was retiring from being a police officer, and I was retiring from the classroom. And I know that that's kind of a, a controversial word to use when you haven't taught for 30 some odd years, but I was retiring from the brick and mortar classroom. I didn't retire from education. And I have to remind myself sometimes out it every day. I didn't leave my profession. I just left one area of my profession. So I was retiring from the brick and mortar classroom and he was retiring from being a police officer. And we were kind of at a point where we thought, we're really too young to be retired. I am in my 40s and he is in his 50s and that's really young for retirement. So we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for this new phase in our life. Now, prior to making these decisions to leave our areas of our profession that we were currently in, we had been following several Channels on YouTube where couples who were much younger than us were living this dream life of traveling full time and being on the road. And one of the YouTube channels that we watched and fell in love with was Less Junk, More Journey. We actually mentioned that in our very first episode. And we absolutely fell in love with watching Nathan and Marissa and Hensley travel, and for me as a teacher, what was so fabulous about it was watching this little girl grow up. In fact, when we first started watching their channel, Hensley was, I think, one, and we have watched her over the last two years grow up living this life on the road and learning from the world. And I want to tell you right now that any teacher would be absolutely thrilled to have this little girl in their classroom because she's very articulate. She knows a lot about you know, things that most kids don't even get to the chance to be exposed to these days. And it's pretty amazing to watch her grow up. But we loved watching how they transitioned from having their sticks and bricks house into living full time on the road as a family And we, my husband and I, actually sat and thought many times how awesome that would have been to have done when our own children were young and little, but, you know, they were grown, and we kept thinking, well, we do have grandkids, so, and now before you say anything about the fact that I'm too young to have grandchildren, (laughs) I have five of them, actually, so, and I love them so much. And it is true what they say. Being a grandmother is so much more exciting than being a mom because you get to spoil them and send them home. And oh, I do. <laughs> so, okay, I digress. But we were really trying to think of what we what it would look like for us now that we were no longer in a position to be tied down to a specific area. And we had been researching this full-time traveling. And like I said, we'd found many YouTube channels, some of our favorites, and I will list them in the show notes. Some of our favorites are Less Junk, More Journey, The Freedom Theory, Keep Your Daydream. These are all uh, channels that inspired us to finally make the leap and embrace this lifestyle of traveling full-time and living tiny. Now I will say my husband is sorta kinda been obsessed with tiny homes for as long as I can remember. This was just another version of a tiny home. So while most of the questions that we get with regard to living tiny are pretty basic, like, and if you're eating breakfast, I apologize, but we do get that question of where do you dump your poop? That one is pretty easy to answer, you know, we do get some hard questions that are, you know, kind of difficult for us to answer sometimes, like, where could you see yourself settling down one day? Well, right now we can't really. Well, I say we can't, we've thought about it, but it's not something that's really in our cards right now. No matter what questions people ask us about living in a small, tiny space, I always enjoy answering them. Now, I hope that this podcast is going to give you a little bit of insight into what it's like living full-time in an RV, because sometimes it can be difficult to explain everything in such a short period of time. So, definitely, if there's anything else that you have questions about after listening to this podcast, please reach out to us. Send us a message, send us an email, and I'll we, we will either... Send you a message back or we will answer it in an upcoming podcast. All right, so let's get started. So one of the first questions that we always get, how did you decide to go tiny? Well, again, like I said before, it was just about it being a new season in our life. And when we decided to go tiny, our initial thoughts were we were leaving a three bedroom, two bath, around 2,200 square foot house and two vehicles and with a garage and a backyard and front yard and big old trees and flower beds. And it was, you know, how do you decide what to keep and what to get rid of? Well, that was difficult. We knew we were going to go tiny, but we weren't quite sure how tiny. So we obviously started our journey with figuring out what our New home would look like. And we've learned quite a few things over the past two years. And if we had known some of the things that we know now back then, we would have made some very different choices. But our choice at the time was, and our thought process was that we needed to get the biggest space we could get for our budget without going crazy. Because if you have done any research into RVs, whether you want are looking at becoming a full-time traveler, or if you are just thinking about Weekend Warrior, you know that you can get some really big rigs. And we actually found our rig, it, it, it kind of fell in our lap, to be honest with you. We had been looking at several different styles, and it just so happened that this was at the end of 2016. Our rig was a 2016 year model that the dealership was trying to move much like cars at the end of the year and they had it greatly reduced. It was a brand new rig, but it is a 43 foot fifth wheel. It is a Landmark 365. It is the Newport floor plan. And we fell in love with it. We looked at it, we were like, wow, this is a big space. And it was amazing how much you could get in such a small space. I would liken our RV to a small apartment I don't know the exact square footage on it but I can tell you that when the slides we do have one two three slides on it and when the slides are out in the main living space I do believe that it's about 14 to 16 foot wide so And then, of course, the length of the RV is around 43 to 44 foot, and it is a fifth wheel. We do have a a layout that actually includes a very large bathroom up in the front of the RV, and that was one of the things that we absolutely fell in love with, was the big bathroom. Knowing what we know now and going back, would we have chosen this rig? No, we wouldn't, and there are a few reasons why, but one of the biggest reasons is that this is a large rig to haul around the country. We actually pull our rig with the Beast, as we affectionately call him, and it is a 3,500 Ram Dually truck, and it took my husband forever. In fact, we actually found our home before we found the truck we were going to pull it with because he was looking for something very, very specific, in a lot of the mechanics and the Gear ratios and the transmission and all the things that guys are interested in. So we we actually had our RV delivered to us by the dealer, and as soon as they delivered it, we actually left within like 30 minutes of them delivering it and drove about four hours away in order to go pick up the truck that we were going to be pulling it with. But that was, you know, a very hard decision on how we were going to decide what we were going to get. Now, as far as the all of our stuff that we had, well, I still remember this like it was yesterday. The day before Thanksgiving, I had this epiphany that we were only a few weeks away. We had been talking about moving into our RV and how everything was going to be happening at the first of the year. And the day before Thanksgiving, we were going to be having all of the kids at our house for Thanksgiving, and we were super excited about that. It was kind of the last family gathering like that, which it ended up not being the last one. But in your mind, you're thinking, this is the last time we're going to have a place to have everybody together. And so... Everybody was there, and it dawned on me that as soon as Thanksgiving was over, I was going to have only a few weeks to get rid of everything in the house, and it scared the living bejesus out of me. So, I looked at my daughter-in-law, and I said, I think we should have a garage sale this weekend after Thanksgiving, and in typical style with my daughter-in-law, she was like, yes, let's do this. And so we did, we put an ad on Facebook for our hometown and we were having an estate sale. I had not packed any of our personal things up yet as far as things we were specifically going to keep, but come Friday morning and Saturday morning, we opened our doors and we had an estate sale. There were no price tags on anything. We opened our doors, people started coming through. My husband and I and my daughter-in-law were literally walking through the house and pricing stuff and selling stuff. (laughs) And the funny story I love to tell is that my daughter-in-law actually sold the coffee cup out of my hand. I was drinking my coffee and somebody bought our dishes because we already knew we were gonna be buying new dishes for for the RV and somebody bought our dishes while i was drinking a cup of coffee in one of the coffee cups so she had to take it from me and go wash it so that they could take it so yes she literally sold everything right from under me it was it was a fabulous time though and we were very very blessed that we had several couples who purchased some of the larger appliances we actually had a couple that purchased our refrigerator and purchased our washer and dryer but they were actually building their first home, and they asked us if we could keep it until their home was ready, which their home was not going to be ready till the week before Christmas. In fact, a couple of days before Christmas when they were gonna be able to move in, and they asked us if we could keep, keep them there, and we, of course, agreed, because that meant we could continue to use them for the next couple of weeks, and I didn't have to put all of my food into coolers. You can tell we didn't really plan this out very well. It was very stressful, but we made it. So that's kind of how we did everything. And then as soon as the garage sale was over for those two days, we looked around at the things that we had left and we decided what we were going to keep and what we were going to get rid of. There were many trips to Goodwill. There were many trips to our local churches, um, clothes closets to the Salvation Army. I took quite a few things over to Veterans Affairs for um, our homeless vets. And it was, it was really surreal to get rid of stuff. But one of the things that stuck with me throughout that entire process was just exactly how much stuff we had and how much stuff we really didn't need. We did keep a lot of our stuff though. So That was where the struggle came in and part of our learning over the last two years. One of the things that I refused, refused to get rid of was my KitchenAid mixer and my Keurig. Yes, ladies, if you are listening to this, then you know that Keurig and that KitchenAid mixer are like rites of passage sometimes. And you know, I just refused to get rid of them. So I did hold on to those And I can tell you now, I no longer have them. That's because when you're going to a small space, you think that there are things that you absolutely have to have, but once you get into that small space, you realize you don't really need them. So let's get on to the next question. So one of the things that we get asked is, do you ever get tired of living in such a small space? And honestly, the answer is yes, sometimes, and no most of the time. There are some things that I do miss about having a house. One of the things that I miss the most is having a bathtub. Not gonna lie. I love a good soak in a bubble bath. Now, I realize that as a man, it might sound weird to acknowledge that you miss a bathtub, but I think my husband even does too sometimes, because there's nothing better than soaking in a bathtub. Baths are amazing. Even though that we miss sometimes having that little luxury and limitless hot water and amazing Wi-Fi, which we'll get to in a moment, they're really not something that is enough to keep us from living the life that we're living and the other things that we're getting in exchange for that is so much greater. So, but as far as space goes, I can say that currently in our, in our rig right now, I don't really ever feel cramped. I actually think it's a very, it, we have a very large space and my husband would not agree. He gets cramped quite often, but that part of that is I think just continuing to adjust to things. And as we continue to get rid of stuff, because I can tell you that when we moved into this rig, we packed it to the gills. I mean, We looked at the weight capacity of our truck that it would pull, and I'm pretty sure we packed it right up to that number, and we might have even gone over, but (laughs) we do try not to be cluttered, and it's not easy, I'm going to tell you. The littlest things that you never paid attention to in your sticks and bricks become big issues when you're living in a small space. We're we're not we're not perfect at it, you know, trying to find a place for your mail and where do you keep certain certain items that used to just sit out on your bar, things like that. You know, just something as simple as, you know, I teach while, I'm, you know, while we're on the road and I don't have a dedicated office space. So having to put up, break down and have a space where all of my office stuff can go so that it's not just taking over our living room, that is a challenge. So there are some things that we do miss about having a large space, but it's not all that bad. And we do do some things that help us feel organized and help us keep our space from feeling like it's closing in on us. The next question that I get is how do we get our mail, our internet, TV, phone service, you know, all those things that you have in a sticks and bricks house? Well, for internet, and we're gonna do an entire podcast episode on this at some point, but I can tell you that for internet, we actually carry plans with two different service providers. We have an account with AT&T, and we also have an account with Verizon. For our internet, where we are currently sitting, we have some property in East Texas that we call our home base. And this is a place for us to go when we need to do some repairs on the RV or we've just made a big trip and been gone and now we're getting ready to plan the next big trip because we kind of like to do things in phases. So when we leave here, we might make a big loop up the middle of the United States, up across the northern United States and down the east coast and end up back here at our home base. This is also the midway point between most of our families between Houston and Lubbock and then we do have some family that live in the Carolinas because my son is stationed there with the Air Force. So we have tried to be in a central place and the Dallas-Fort Worth area and east of the Dallas-Fort Worth area was kind of that logical place for us to be, to be close to family. My daughter is in Houston going to college. We have A son and daughter in law that are in Austin, another son, daughter in law, and grandbaby that are in the Dallas Fort Worth area, another grandbaby that is in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and then, of course, our son and daughter in law that are in the Carolinas. So, Dallas Fort Worth was just a good hub. And we come back here when we need to just stop for a moment and take it all in and regroup. And it's great to have that place to come back to. Now, there are a lot of full time RVers that don't have that but they'll 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 go back and see family and they choose for that to be where they kind of stop and regroup. Now as far as internet when we are at our home base, we actually do have an internet company that we use a a, a wireless internet company that comes out and has set up a tower here on our property for when we're here. But when we're on the road, we can't take that with us because it doesn't work outside our property. So we do have an unlimited AT&T data plan with, um, like I said, AT&T, and we use the hotspot. I also have a hotspot with Verizon that we can use. The AT&T hotspot we got several years ago when they were doing an unlimited data plan on their hotspots. It was actually their unlimited plan on your cell phones and you could add the hotspot for only $20 a month. I am not sure if that is still available. I would have to do some research on that. But we have an unlimited AT&T data plan with our hotspot and then we have the Verizon hotspot which is only 15 gig, but it is enough if we're not going to be somewhere where we can get good Wi-Fi, or if we can get our AT&T to work very well, then I can use the Verizon in a pinch. I also have my iPad, which is a cellular iPad on the Verizon as well because on the iPad, it is considered just like a phone, so my data is unlimited. Anything I do on the iPad is unlimited, which a big reason that I do a lot of my resource creation and business things from my iPad when we're on the road is because I have that unlimited data on the iPad. I also teach from the iPad most of the time when we are on the road because of that unlimited data as well. Now, we can tether our phones to the hotspots but for the most or or tether our phones to our devices and we could use the data on our phones as well we get a certain amount of data that we can use if we use our phones as a hotspot so you can see we've got all these different um, ways that we can connect now most of the time when we're traveling we do manage to get someplace where we can get decent wi-fi but and, and if we need to, as we're traveling along the road, if we're stopped or we're, we're um, boondocking somewhere, and for those of you that don't know what boondocking is, that just means that you're stopped and you're staying someplace where you don't have access to water and electricity, and you're basically living completely off-grid in your rig. And sometimes we can get a Wi-Fi signal because you'd be surprised where you can pick up a Wi-Fi signal, but often they're not the greatest. So we do use our cellular data a lot, And we actually purchased a WeBoost that goes on the outside of our trailer that will actually pick up a cell signal from really far away and it will boost it so that we can get a stronger signal. So there are a lot of times where we might be in an area and I'm barely getting one bar, but my husband can go set up the WeBoost and all of a sudden I'm getting three bars. I can teach, I can do all of my work, and we don't have any problems. So we do love our WeBoost Cell Booster. For our mail, we currently do have a PO box here at our home base. And when we have worked with our mail certain mail service provider to let them know that we are on the road full time, and most of our mail is junk mail anyway, and so we pay all of our bills online so we don't have a lot of bills that come in the mail. But anytime our box gets too full, When we've been on the road for a while, our mail service provider is really great about just pulling that mail out and they'll put it in a bag and they'll just keep it until we get back and we can pick it up. I have even had them tell me who they're from. I can call and they'll tell me real quick who they're from. If it's anything specifically important, I could have them send it to me somewhere, but that's not been something that we've had to do at this point. All right, so as far as TV, well, we mostly watch Netflix when, you know, we have internet that is, you know, permits that. And occasionally, I do know that my husband has a few DVDs, but for the most part, we watch a lot of Netflix, a lot of Hulu. We have a lot of station channels and the apps on our Apple TV. And, We do have an RV on, I mean, excuse me, we do have an antenna on our RV and we do actually have the ability to hook up to cable and there have been some times where we have stayed in an RV park wherever our destination is or along the way that have cable included in your fee for staying there. So there have been times that we have used the cable that was available at the RV park, but for the most part, we stick to Netflix Hulu and Amazon Prime or Amazon Video and Apple Movies, the App Store, that's pretty much what we watch. Now, I do I am able to keep up with a lot of our shows and things like that that we loved watching because most stations have apps these days that you can subscribe to. We actually do not pay we pay less watching TV that way than if we had a cable subscription, Mo- it, at least with the package that we had when we were in our Sticks and Bricks house, because, you know, we had to have all the, all the channels. So we actually pay less. So the next question that we get asked is, do you just stay at RV parks all the time? Or it, do you just go from RV park to RV park? And how much does it cost to stay in an RV park? Well, we frequently stay at RV parks when we're traveling. However, it really depends on where we are and what we're doing. And while we have spent time in RV parks and we've been out mostly in the mid-United States and the East Coast, we are really trying to stay at a lot of state and national parks. And that is where the size of our rig comes in. And one of the reasons that if you joined us over on Miss Shipley's classroom on Instagram. You saw the other day that we were actually looking at smaller rigs. And one of the reasons we're looking at going to a smaller rig is so that we can get into more state and national parks because that's really the whole purpose of us doing what we're doing. It wasn't to go from RV park to RV park, but that's great and it's a great start to get you going because i know there can be some fear about not being hooked up to electricity not being hooked up to water once you actually get the hang of it and you've done it you realize how easy it is because your rig is set up to be self-contained so while we do stay in a lot of rv uh frequently stay in rv parks it's not really what we want to do most rv parks all have your basic amenities they have bathrooms, showers Most of them are going to have a place for you to do laundry. Not all of them, but most of them. Internet is usually included, although it's typically very slow Wi-Fi. I will say most of the RV parks that we have stayed in, actually the Wi-Fi has been enough for us to run Netflix most of the time. Occasionally they're going to have a pool, but one of the first things we realized very early on was there is a very large difference between an RV park and a trailer park. An RV park is a place where RVers like us, retirees, typically stay. A trailer park is someplace where people live and they live all the time. Now, that's not to say that you are not gonna find RV parks where you have people who are actually living in their RV full-time and staying there and not traveling. You are gonna find some of those RV parks. We typically try to avoid RV parks like that just because we want to be around people who are like us and are traveling, because we want to meet these people. We want to talk about where they've been and where they're going and how they're handling certain issues on the road. So that's typically what we're looking for when we look for an RV park. Now RV parks typically average around $30 a night, but it can get a lot more expensive, especially when you get out on the West Coast. We actually do have a membership to Passport America, so we do get some discounts when we stay at RV parks. We also like to stay at farms and wineries. Now, if you have been following us on this journey for the last two years, you know that last summer we did a huge East Coast trip, and we went right up through the middle of the United States, and we used what is known as Harvest Host in order to make our trip even more exciting and to cut costs because we knew this, we were gonna be gone for a long period of time and we only wanted to stay in two RV parks. And one of the RV parks we were staying in was up in uh, Rhode Island when we were there for uh, my son and daughter-in-law's wedding. And then when we were gonna be in Boone, North Carolina, coming back down to see my other son and daughter-in-law, in the mountains. And those are the only two RV parks we were gonna be staying in. So we wanted to make it along the way, we did. We wanted to boondock and we wanted to experience this being off the grid and not being hooked up to electricity and water and, and learning how to do this along the way. So, and like I said before, boondocking is when you don't have all of those amenities. You are off the grid, you are fully self-sustained and an organization called Harvest Hosts, which allows us to stay at wineries and breweries and farms all over the country for free. Now, there is a yearly membership fee that we pay in order to get access to the database, but these businesses, these farms, these wineries, these breweries, all over the country have Signed up to be a harvest host to allow RVers like us to come stay on their property for free. Now, most of the time it's recommended you not stay more than one night, but usually if you talk to the facility or the owner of the farm or the owner of the winery and tell them, hey, we we would like to be here for a couple of days so we can see some of the things in the area, they have always been accommodating. And one winery that we went to along the way actually had full hookups we were shocked we had full hook full hookups electricity water wi-fi the works at this beautiful winery for free for three days that was amazing so Harvest Hosts is a way that you can find places to stay. At. And the the only ca- the only catch and it's really not a catch, it's a recommendation that they make if you're going to stay at one of these Harvest Hosts is that you patronize their business. So you go in and you purchase a bottle of wine or you buy some fresh fruit or you buy some vegetables or you go in and sit down and have a beer with your with your spouse. And That's not hard to do. Now, I will tell you, the very first winery we stayed at, my husband informed me that I was not going to be able to purchase that amount of wine at every single winery we stayed at. Otherwise, Harvest Host was not going to be more cost effective than staying in an RV park. Let's just say the first winery we stayed at, I walked out with a case or more Of wine because I had to buy gifts for everybody. That was what I was doing it for. Yeah, we'll go with that. So he did let me know that I was not going to be able to do that at every single winery, or this was not going to save us money. It would have been cheaper to stay in an RV park. So moving forward, I just knew that when we went to these places, we still wanted to make it cost effective. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't find great things at the wineries and farms that we stayed at, and we bought it if it was really worth buying it because we probably would have bought it anyway. You just have to be careful that you don't go overboard otherwise it's not you're not getting the full benefit of them giving you a free place to stop and stay for the night. The next question we get asked is how do you how long do you typically stay in one place? Well, to be honest with you, we don't really have a specific length of time we need to stay in one place when we made our big trip up you know, and made the big loop down the East Coast. We were gone about six to seven weeks for that particular trip. And we stayed one night in a place. We might stay two nights in a place. When we got up to Rhode Island, we were there for a week, but we had a specific reason being there for a wedding. And then when we came back down the East Coast, we stayed another week in Boone in the mountains. And we it just depends on why we're there and what the purpose of our visit is as to how long we need to stay in a place. Now, a lot of times we look at the weather as well. There have been a couple of times when we were traveling where we wanted to stay in an area for maybe two or three days, but we saw there was a big storm coming and we decided to move on and get out of the way. So it just depends on where we're at, why we're there, and whether the weather is going to cooperate. One of the reasons that we come back to our home base in the winter, and a lot of people say, why don't you go to where it's warm during the winter? Well, we actually don't mind the cold weather, and we we kind of like it. And But we come back here during the colder months for safety reasons because we don't want to be on the roads when they're icy. And it does give us a few months to make repairs and make a transition if we need to. Like currently we're looking at going to a smaller rig, so we needed to come kinda of deal with that and handle that. So it the weather plays a, a large you know, part in our decision on how long we stay in one place. How long did it take us to downsize? I will tell you that we did it in a matter of about three weeks and it is an ongoing process. Because we currently do have a storage shed that my husband built on our property in our home base. And it has a lot of stuff in it that we have taken out of the RV after we moved into the RV. So like I said, you get into the RV and you still have stuff that you realize that you don't need. And you just start getting rid of more stuff. So we do have a lot of stuff, and it's not stuff we're storing because we need it. It's stuff that we're storing because we need to get rid of it, and it's it's more downsizing. So we are constantly in process of downsizing, and when we go to a smaller rig, we will be downsizing even more. So, you know, that being said, I, you know, I've talked with a lot of full time RVers that say that you might want to do a test run if you're thinking about doing this you might want to do a test run of you know living in a small space and RVing before you just go and sell everything and jump into this but for us we just dove head head first we just jumped head first and said let's just do this and we had a lot of stuff in this house so you can imagine it it was it was quite scary getting rid of everything but it it In the end, it was stuff that we really didn't need. I mean, I can tell you that there are things that we kept that are in this RV right now that in the two years we've been in the RV, we have not touched. It's amazing what you think you have to have versus what you really do need. And that's where a lot of the joy comes in. Now, if you are the type of person that needs to have this, you know, picture perfect Pinterest ready ray done decorated kitchen and everything if that's your thing you do you boo and i'm not gonna lie there are times that i miss being able to run out and buy all the ray done stuff or all the cuteness overload that i see on instagram and on Pinterest but then I remember you don't need that stuff that's all frivolous make you feel good stuff and that's fine if it makes you feel good and it make and, and that's your thing like I said you do you boo but in the long run you can't take it with you and when people look back at your life are they gonna be like, wow, she was great. She had a Ray Dunn collection. Are they going to look at how you lived your life in the example you set? And for us, that is what we wanted to be sure and do for our kids and our grandkids, because you only get one life and we wanted to enjoy it. What made you guys decide to buy an RV versus a tiny house? Well, that's an easy one. You can't take your tiny house with you. Well, you can, but not travel the way we want to travel so if we had just purchased a tiny house most of the time when you if you're buying a tiny house you're going to put that somewhere and leave it there and you're going to live in it that's not what we wanted to do it wasn't just about downsizing and going tiny it was about having the ability to travel and see the world that is what we wanted to do oh this is a good one how do you stay in shape while on the road well, I'm not going to say that either one of us are in that great a shape, but we do try to stay healthy. So we actually, um, we, we have a dog, our dog Ace travels with us, and he is a Border Collie mix, and we think he's a Border Collie Australian Shepherd mix, so he has a lot of energy, you can imagine. And of course, he gets daily walks, and he gets multiple walks. We are always out on the trails when we are traveling and on the road, there is a lot of you know, kind of physical work that has to be done with regard to an RV and outside an RV. So we are fairly active when we're on the road. When it gets to be a struggle is when we're actually in a one place for a long period of time, because we're usually catching up on work and getting a lot of work done. And so we have to remind ourselves to get up and, and having a dog does that because he's not going to not remind you that he needs to go out. So we do get out on walks and go enjoy nature. And the other thing that I did at the beginning of this year was I got a membership to Anytime Fitness. Now Anytime Fitness is a gym cha- a, a gym membership and a fitness chain that they have locations all over the country. And one of the things I noticed when we were traveling is that I always saw an Anytime Fitness. So I can go to any Anytime Fitness in the United States to work out. So I did that. My husband's not really a gym person. So he gets out and works, you know, and does manual stuff outside, you know, working outside. And then we're always out on the trails. And we try to eat super healthy. When you're on the road and you're in some of the different parts of the country, that's really easy to do because there are a lot of choices when you're out there. And you can find some locally sourced grass-fed beef and and Free range chickens, and so we do typically try to eat a very healthy diet. All right, so let's see. We get asked this occasionally, and I think it's because you know I'm go- or I'm going to assume it's because I look so young. <clears throat> okay, not really, but we have been asked this, and I have gotten an email about this: is will we travel with the kids? And I am assuming that the person who sent this uh, question in was actually referring to our grandkids. And yes, this is a huge, huge yes. We will travel with the grandkids. Our children are grown and our only baby is our fur baby. But one of the things that we both want to do is we want to do a big summer trip with the grandkids. And that is something that we are thinking about and taking into account as a factor when we are downsizing our trailer now because We need to make sure we have room and a space for them to sleep and be comfortable and and enjoy the trip. So yes, huge, huge yes to traveling with the grandkids. Now, this is the million dollar question. When are you gonna stop and return to the real world? That is a question that recently we got asked and I had to stop and go, probably never. I don't know, maybe in a few years. Who knows? I, you know, we've actually had family ask us that about when are we going to get, you know, get out of our dream world and buy a house. And the thing about it is, is we've both already owned a house. We've, we've already been, we've lived that life and we've raised our kids and we, we don't really want a house. I mean, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. This is a lifestyle that we've chosen because we want to be able to travel and we want to be able to see things that we did not get to grow up seeing. And we want to be able to provide that opportunity to our grandkids to see things that they might not otherwise have seen either. We have lost the art. I don't know about many of you that are listening, but I grew up going on vacations with my grandparents and I vividly remember spending the entire summer with my grandparents and traveling. Those were some of the best times of my life. And we're talking about road trips. That doesn't happen anymore, but it should. We need to be able to provide that for our next generation. And my own children didn't get that, which saddens me. And so I want my grandchildren to have that. So when are we going to return to the real world I can't answer that question. You know, we have met some RVers along the way that are very young. I mean, if you look at people like Nathan and Marissa on Less Junk, More Journey, they are a young couple who have a young daughter, and Marissa is now currently expecting her second child. They are doing this in an Airstream, and if you know anything about Airstreams, you know that that is a tiny space, and they are doing this in an Airstream. And they will even tell you, you see a young couple like that with two children traveling all over the world, and you think, oh, they're doing it just to avoid responsibility. Trust me, they have way more responsibility doing what they're doing than if they just had a sticks and bricks and were going to an eight to five job. Now, that is, you know, to say that it's not for everyone. And but imagine the experiences that their children are getting. Somebody looks at you know, people like us and my husband and I, and maybe they think, oh, well, they're older. You know, we're not, we don't look like we're retiree age, but at the same time, we're not these young 20 somethings that are doing this. So it's kind of like, why are y'all doing this? We're doing, it was a choice and it was something that we really wanted to do. And it, it's, it, everybody's journey is different. And if your journey never leads you down this road, that's okay. If your journey leads you to do it, wait until you're, you know, in your retirement age to do it, that's okay. Maybe you decide to jump in now and say, you know what, I want to do this now. That's okay too. Nobody should tell you what your quote-unquote real world should look like as long because, look, the only things that you have to do in this life are breathe, pay taxes, and die. And It's questionable whether or not, you know, you you have to do the second one. I mean, you're supposed to, and it's the law, but we all know there are people that don't. You get what I'm saying. Everything else is just suggestions. There's no roadmap to your life. You are the only one who can decide what that map looks like, what the destinations on that map are. You're the only, you are the only in total control. So you need to decide what your map is gonna look like. And your real world may not look like somebody else's real world. So keep that in mind. Now, I know that everybody wants to know the second million dollar question is, how in the world do you and your husband make money When you're not sitting still in one place, going to an eight to five job, that is a little bit more complicated and we are going to tackle that specific topic in its own episode very soon, but I will leave you with this on that question. We both work from home and run Ms. Shipley's Classroom from the road. That is an online business that we both have. My husband retired. He actually retired from law enforcement, and we do have his retirement. Now, a lot of people will immediately say, oh, they've got retirement income. Well, let me tell you, he left at 26 years instead of doing a full 30. And if he'd done a full 30, his retirement check would have doubled. So that's how... That's how much of a decision this was to do this and and make this jump into this lifestyle at the point in time that we did. So yes, we do have income from his retirement, but it does still require us to have additional income. So we are running Ms. Shipley's Classroom from the road. We now have the Field Trip Teacher podcast. We will have our YouTube channel that is going to be uh, getting up and running as well. And these are all different streams of revenue that we have going on and yes it is a full-time job. So and we're going to talk a lot more about that and how we handle all of that while we're on the road in a future episode, but I don't want you to have this impression that we travel all over the country, spend our days drinking mimosas on white sandy beaches and laying in the sun. That that's not our life. We live a very normal life where I get up every morning, I work, I work all day. When he gets up, he works. He's a night owl, so he typically gets up later than me, but he also works much later than me. So it's not all just this permanent vacation, and I don't want you to get that impression, but it is an amazing life, and I would not trade it for anything. So last question. You remember that question I asked at the beginning? So where do you dump your poop? Yeah, I said it again. Well... Let me just leave you with this. Most RVs have some tanks on them. One is called a gray tank, one is called a black tank, and then you have a fresh water tank. Now, the fresh water tank is exactly what it sounds like. It's your fresh water, and it will hold fresh water for you to use for drinking and showering and bathing. It's going to hold that water for you if you're not hooked up to a water source. Your gray tank is where all of your dish water, all of your bath water, you know, anything that goes down your sink is going to go into what's called your gray tank. Now, that particular water is, like I said, it's just your bath water, your dish water. It doesn't have any of the nasty stuff in it. Well, any of that nasty stuff in it. Then you have what's called your black tank, and that is where your waste goes. That's the tank that everybody is super scared of. And I will tell you right now, it is nothing to be scared of. Yes, even I have dumped the black tank. Most RV parks are going to have a place for you to dump your tanks. If you happen to be staying on the road and you're going to be boondocking a lot and you have to find places to dump your tanks, places like Cabela's and some of the uh, Gander Mountain, and I can't think off the top of my head some of the other um, uh, some of the other Outdoors world type uh, stores are going to have services for RVers to dump their tanks. Even the state and national parks usually have a place for you as you're leaving to dump your tanks. There might be a fee for it, but it's, it's not that, it's really not that pricey. And you just basically dump it when it gets full. And there is a process you go through with, it's all so easy to do. And as long as you do it correctly, it's not any mess. And I'm not saying that there haven't been mishaps sometimes because all you got to do is go to YouTube and type in black tank mishaps and you will find lots of them. But for the most part, it's super easy. It's super simple. And it's not disgusting at all. So, All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this answered some of your questions about our decision to live tiny and some of the things that we deal with on a daily basis. We are going to tackle some of these topics in greater detail in future episodes. And if you have a specific question about us Living in an RV and what it's like and traveling full time, we would love to hear from you. So be sure and shoot us an email at hello at the field trip You can always send me a DM and follow me on Miss Shipley's Classroom over on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook at Miss Shipley's Classroom. And you can also find our Facebook community for the podcast at the Field Trip Teacher Podcast community over on Facebook as well. You can find the show notes at thefieldtripteacherpodcast.com, and we will chat with you next time. I am super excited for this journey, and if you decide to get out on the road, just remember to keep being educational rock stars. We'll catch you later, guys. And that's a wrap on the latest
1: episode of the Field Trip Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find today's show notes at thefieldtripteacherpodcast.com. If you haven't already rated and reviewed the show, be sure to jump over to iTunes and leave a review. Leaving a review helps other teacher creatives find the podcast. We love hearing from our listeners as well. So send us a note at hello at thefieldtripteacherpodcast.com. And until then, keep being educational rock stars, and we will see you on the road.